So again, it's the same sort of thing. You've got to become aware of these patterns that you've got because then once you've got the awareness, you can then do something about it because your subconscious, as I said before, is responsible for 96 to 98% of the results you get in your life. So if you are struggling with imposter syndrome, if you are struggling with not feeling good enough, that's where it comes to. That self-doubt, it all comes down to that. It all comes down to those thinking patterns. And most of the time it's from a subconscious thing. And do you think there are things that can fuel those feelings of self-doubt? So I'm thinking things like, I don't know, comparison. Welcome to the Prime Life Project podcast, a place to help you unlock your full potential, both mentally and physically, to become the best version of you. Welcome back to an episode of the Prime Life Project podcast. I'm your host, Daniel James, and today I'm joined once again by Katie, my girlfriend. If anyone wants any advice, don't do a podcast with your girlfriend because you're going to start laughing for the first five minutes and you've got to go into your serious zone, and it's very hard to do that, especially when Mike is encouraging us. So anyway, <laughs> uh, Katie, how are we? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm right, thank you. Now we've composed ourselves and yeah, into serious mode. Yeah, um, good. Yeah, so what are we talking about today? Um, so today we're going to talk about kind of self-doubt, imposter syndrome, when self-doubt kind of becomes imposter syndrome um and what people can do to kind of get through that okay cool so you got you got your uh, preloaded questions yeah, normally the way this works is uh, we have my key that was um katie would r- always write the questions behind the scenes and be my key and me and mike would be back and forth however the two episodes that we had with katie went down really really well so we decided to promote katie uh temporarily this is a trial basis um to basically uh, ask the questions herself uh, so yeah katie what's the because you write the question so yeah, you can yeah. I think it's more I don't think it's to do with me or Mikey I think it's just a female perspective I think okay. a lot of your listeners are female yeah. um, so people potentially might resonate to that so potentially we'll find out yeah we will find we'll out find when out no one listens to this post- podcast write <laughs> um, so on, po- on a postcard <laughs> yes I think a lot of people know what self-doubt is it's doubting yourself mm-hmm. but then that that term imposter syndrome does get thrown around quite mm-hmm. a lot and I don't think many people potentially use it correctly or know what it means so mm-hmm. um, I guess just for the purpose of this podcast we're all on the same page speaking the same language um the definition of imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. is the persistent inability to believe in yourself your ability and or your accomplishments Mm -hmm. so it's i guess that it's not just doubting yourself it's when it becomes a bit bigger i guess Mm -hmm. and a certain area of your life yeah Um, so in what way so it comes a bit bigger as in what way so i think you can have self-doubt can be I guess, thoughts where you think potentially negatively about your ability to do something. Mm-hmm. I think when that escalates and it becomes, I guess, overwhelming or bigger, that's mm-hmm. when it becomes imposter syndrome. Cool. Just, just again, we've got a very clear definition, a working definition of where we're going with that. Okay, yeah. cool. So cool. let's kick things off. So what what have been some of your personal, let's go in personally mm-hmm. with you, what have been some of your personal experiences with, with self-doubt and has that ever kind of turned into imposter syndrome? Um, so normally again for listeners uh, this is the first time listening to this I don't know the questions however Katie actually ran these questions by me earlier on and I still forgot this was the first question so um, yes for me the biggest thing is was was transitioning from doing the fitness side of stuff into the mindset coaching I'm doing now even though the stuff I've got like the qualifications the reading that I do the personal lived experience from it um, the self-doubt still creeps in with that Uh, so like who are you to, to sort of do this and a really good quote uh, was by I can't remember what her name was but Nelson Mandela made it famous about our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate our deepest fear is we are powerful beyond recognition it is our light and not our darkness which most fears us uh, it's I'm going to butcher this last second part but something along the lines of um, us playing small serves no purpose uh, and actually I was paraphrasing here I was basically shining bright 
enables other people around us to basically come up with us. Um, so for me, when it comes to this, I basically had to realize that it's a natural, normal process. So when you're doing something new and stepping out of your comfort zone, uh, it's very natural to have that self-doubt because you have no proven track record that you can do it. So you are going to have doubt in your abilities to do it because for me, self-confidence kind of comes from doing the work. So if you know you can do something, you're gonna be confident that you can do it again. So for example, if I've climbed a mountain, I don't know, Snowdon, I'm confident in my ability to climb Snowdon. Again, I've done it once, I can do it again. Whereas a lot of people have confidence where they haven't actually had any lived experience to back that up. Which again, not necessarily a problem. When it comes to self-doubt, if you've never had that lived experience and you've never climbed even a hill and now you've got to try and climb a mountain, that can then lead to a bit of self-doubt. So again, that's, I think, is a natural, normal thing to doubt your abilities if you've never done it before. But then to your point, when it kind of becomes crippling, and when you're about to take that first step into climbing Snowdon, for example, the mountain, and then it becomes all-consuming and then it actually paralyzes you and stops you from actually doing anything, that's when it can become a massive issue. Where for me, so I've never had it where it stops me doing something, but I've had it even in the middle or after I've done something for the first time. So I did mindset maintenance. Absolutely smashed it, had a great time. Like, I'm people, 300 people. Loads of people come at the end and talk to me. And it was everything I wanted it to be, everything that I visualized it to be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And nothing about it was negative. On the drive home, I was reflecting on myself. Again, not even a car, but you wouldn't have known this, but I then reflected and I had a bit of, oh, well, that wasn't very good. So straight away, that seed of doubt comes in. And I'm at the stage now where I gained the awareness of that and I was able to kind of call it out and then change my thought pattern. Whereas I feel that where this kind of goes from that doubt to that imposter syndrome is when if I'd let that really sink in, I started ruminating on it, asking myself these negative questions because whatever you ask your brain, whether positive or negative, the brain will give the answers. So if I'd be like, well, well who am I to have done this? Like, why was it so bad? I'd have come up with all the answers. You get caught in that negative thought pattern and before you know it, you're completely paralyzed by this thing where you think that you're not good enough. And that's really all that it comes down to for me. That imposter syndrome is like, you, you feel like you're an imposter. And that comes down to, as you sort of mentioned in the definition, that lack of self-worth that can then come back from, again, your paradigm. So your paradigms are the habits, the routines, the thought patterns that you've got around yourself, your self-image. So again, if your self-image, for example, let's say for me, uh, my self-image was, uh, I'm a nobody and nobody cares what I have to say. And then suddenly after this event, loads of people are coming up to me and caring about what I've said. That then for me makes me feel like an imposter because I've kind of gone above my so-called station of how I see myself. So that can cause us to have that imposter because in my head, it's like, well, no one values my opinion. But then when my reality changes and people actually are starting to care about my opinion, I'm going to feel like an imposter. So I'm like, well, I'm just this person who doesn't know anything and, and these people are asking me when actually all the facts are telling me otherwise, that for me is then what causes the friction. So it's then becoming aware of that and then be like, okay, well, this is interesting. So for you, you have these feelings more after the event. Because obviously there are some people that have self-doubt before doing something. Yeah. And in, in some instances, it can prevent people from doing the thing that they want to do yeah. but for you you're saying that that's not the case it's afterwards when you reflect and you that doubt creeps in of of how you've kind of i guess performed so i get it more after the event because yeah. i don't allow it to come in before okay so, so before the event i still get it yes yeah before yeah. like i said even when i'm doing anything it's like the, the the ascend coaching program well that's stuff i'm putting it together even the five-day event that i'm currently in the middle of running obviously when this comes out that'll have finished but all this stuff i'm doing it's like Who's gonna Who's gonna sign up to it? Who Who cares what I say, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I'm just like, who cares? Like, I, I then again. So, so when those thoughts pop in, what we need to do is just counteract them. But the first thing you've got to do is gain awareness. So there's like stages to this. I think the reason why people struggle with with catching this is they try and notice the thoughts. 
like sorry to try and swap the thoughts but they haven't even noticed them there in the first place so the first thing you need to do is gain awareness the first step is awareness you have to become aware of how you're talking to yourself you have to become aware of how you're feeling while you're doing the thing the problem is you've got no self-awareness and no awareness of how you're talking to yourself that voice inside your head you are then not going to be able to flip it when you hear the negative with the positive so the way that you counteract this is very simple when you hear the negative you use that as a trigger to implant a positive affirming affirmation that's how you do it that's how you break it through so who's going to sign up this loads of people are it's gonna be absolutely amazing so straight away negative comes up versus the positive but in order to do that the first step which people miss out is you have to actually become aware of that voice inside your head so again the way that i'd advise people meditation is a great one where you just sit there and, and observing so if you ever sit there for 15 minutes in silence you will notice that voice you will hear that voice once you start to notice it and become aware of it you'll start to notice it more in your everyday life and you become the observer which is what you need to do you are the observer and i think the biggest thing here which again when it comes to this imposter syndrome and that self-doubt is you are not that voice inside your head you are the observer and if you're not aware of that that voice will absolutely cripple you and if you actually observe that voice that is talking to you you'll find out it isn't even your voice it may be your ex-partner's voice. It may be your teacher's voice. It may be your parent's voice that's telling you that you're not good enough, that's telling you you're not smart enough, that's telling you all of this stuff. And once you actually separate yourself from this and you gain the awareness, that's when you can then do something about it. But the first thing is to differentiate yourself, which is the observer, the true authentic version of you, versus this voice. And all this voice does is just narrates the world for you and keeps you safe. The problem is it can keep you too safe, and that's when it then becomes that imposter syndrome and that self-doubt creeps in. So once you become aware of that, once you hear it pop up, you question it. Is this true? Nine times out of ten, the answer is going to be no. Then all you do is just replace it with a positive, empowering thought and just crack on. And it sounds really simple, but as I say all the time, all this stuff is simple, it's just not easy. And it doesn't mean that you, that you aren't going to get caught down in a negative thought pattern because you absolutely will, but it just means it becomes far, few and far between, if that makes sense. Am I answering that question? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, yeah. that does make sense. And I guess the examples you've gave, given, gave, given um, are kind of work, career-related mm -hmm. examples. A lot of people get self-doubt in other areas of their life. Mm -hmm. if, is there any other areas? Or is it mainly work that it does affect you? Uh, you can get it like in relationships as well. Uh, and again, that's also down to, let's say, like relationships. So you feel that you're not worthy or, or you're in a really good relationship. Um, and you're going to feel you're not worthy. You get imposter syndrome, like, who am I to be with this person? But again, it's the exact same pattern. So although I've used it, what I've said there, from a work point of view, it's the exact same process. You have to become aware, again, of paradigms. So again, your paradigms are literally your subconscious programming. So we need to understand is that as human beings, <clears throat> we are subconscious beings. Like 95%, not 96 to 98% of the results we get in our life come from the subconscious programming that we have. And it's our habits. And again, habits aren't just, again, people talk about habits. It's not just habits like physically what we do, like our morning routine. It's habits in, habits of thought, habits of emotions, habits of feeling. Like there's so many things that go into your, your habits. So you've got to become aware of your habits. You've got to be aware of your beliefs. You have to become aware of your self-image. All of these things are what contribute to the reality that you get. So if you are struggling in, again, with imposter syndrome or something like that, you have to go back to, okay, well, where's my thinking? Like, what am I thinking about this situation? Am I constantly thinking that I'm not good enough for my partner? Am I constantly thinking that they're going to leave me? Am I constantly feeling that like, I just don't deserve this? Okay, well then, like I just said before, once you become aware of that, start to question it. Because that's just a belief that you've built up over time. And all beliefs are, are just thoughts that you've kept on thinking. So if this, habit of, if this habit of thought has created a belief, then it stands to reason that another habit of thought will destroy that belief. 
So you have to consciously flip the narrative. You have to consciously flip the thoughts you're thinking to create a new empowering belief. We first have to become aware of it and then start to question it. Where's this belief come from? Is it true? And then you go from there and you start to actually destroy this voice with facts. Because the reality is that person has chosen to be with you. Straight away, that should be a really powerful fact that actually this little voice inside your head that says, oh, you just want to be with me, X, Y, and Z. Well, all the facts point to the, to the opposite of that. So that makes sense. You, you're, you're taking factual things to kind of destroy this kind of made-up narrative that you've created and never stop the question. And let's build on that because I think, you know, that happens a lot. But then there are also those people um, and typically kind of like high performers in whatever area of, of their life, whether that be, I guess, you know, climbing mountains, work, whatever that may be, that they, they struggle with that. They struggle with self-doubt despite having overwhelming like external evidence that what they are thinking and what they're doubting is true. Mm-hmm. So you've got, I don't know, let's use your mountain climbing example. So you've got somebody that has climbed hundreds of mountains, is a very good mountain climber. They go to climb a mountain and they have like crippling self-doubt about mm-hmm. whether they can climb that mountain. Mm-hmm. All the evidence around them suggests that they absolutely can. Why do you think that happens? I don't necessarily also think it's a bad thing because you've also got a lot of high, high achievers. Again, my biggest thing is studying high performance, high achievers, and a lot of them have that and they use that to spur them on. So a lot of people sometimes think that self-doubt is a negative. Where actually, if you look at a lot of the high performers, they notice that self-doubt is normal and they use that to motivate them and push them forward mm-hmm. by using this leverage. So again, I kind of tapped on this a little bit. I'm not going into too much detail on that. I'll probably do a whole episode on this uh, by itself. But if you've got that constant fear of failure that you aren't good enough, you have a point to prove. So then you leverage that to force you to do the stuff that you don't want to do because you're not gonna be motivated all the time to do the things that you wanna do. But if that voice inside your head that you are aware is your mother's and it's like, you're like, oh, well, I'm not gonna let her win. You then use that niggling voice of doubt to actually motivate you and spur you on to do the stuff you need to do. So Elon Musk's talk spoken about this, about how his dad uh, doubted him. So we basically use that as motivation to push him forward. There's a load of high performers, I think Bill Gates is one as well. Um, but basically like they're, they're some of the parents or teacher or something basically doubted them and they use that as motivation and leverage to push them on. So that little voice of doubt that they're not good enough, they can't do this. They actually leverage that to push them forward. So I don't actually think that sometimes it, it is a negative. If you can actually hear that voice, so you're at the bottom of that mountain and that, that voice of your ex-business partner that says, oh, you can never, never going to amount to anything without me. And you hear that and you're like, I'm going to show you. So that, that voice of no, that, that self-doubt has come in, that positive has come in. And actually, if you can notice it, become aware of it, but have the awareness to be like, no, 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 like I'm in charge here. And you use that energy to then spur you on. I don't see it as a negative. So yes, a lot of high performers and high achievers do have this. I don't think it's a problem. I think it only becomes a problem when it does get to the verge of crippling you where you take no action. And again, that for most of these high performers, it doesn't happen. If you're a high performer and you're doing it, you're a high performer for a reason. And most high performers worry about getting rid of that leverage because they fear without it, they can't actually do anything. Most time you can, most time you absolutely can. But then that requires more work because then you've got to find other motivation and then start to unpick these other beliefs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So again, the results are the same. It's just how you go about it. So for most people, they struggle to leverage that negativity. It will cripple them and consume them. Mm-hmm. So then again, you become aware of that and realize that it's not your voice. That's your teacher. That's your ex-partner. That's whatever it is. Cool. Do you believe it? No. Right. Well, what do you choose to believe? And then you create your new belief system. That's all it is. You just create a new belief system, which is just thoughts you keep on thinking. So you replace the negative thoughts with positive empowering thoughts. It sounds really simple and corny, but that's how it works. Again, it works, trust me. But for these high performers and high achievers, they're kind of wired differently. 
and most of the time it's not even conscious really i believe that most people are either wired to use this negativity or they're not and if you're not wired to use negativity that's when it can cripple you because you're not aware of it but again gaining awareness of it that's the first thing no i think i think you're absolutely spot on i think it's that old age-old thing isn't it that some people if somebody says to them even if they have self-doubt about a certain thing if somebody comes to them and says you can't do that mm. then certain people will make 110 percent sure that they do it yep and you're right some people turn that way in those situations even if they are doubting themselves they will find a way to do what they are mm. doubting because of the fact that other people say that you can't do it mm. and then other people i guess would quote unquote crumble mm. under that and be like absolutely i can't do it mm. this person is reinforcing my self-doubt and the same thing as well the reason why you probably can't again so so becoming aware of that voice inside your head and noticing get, again and noticing that it is part x part of the parent whatever is teacher did a once you become aware of that, then actually then act. Once you're aware of that, that actually then might, might motivate you because now you're aware that it's not you saying it to yourself and it's your teacher. That might be enough to fuel that fire for you. But then also understanding from the ages of zero to seven, you don't have the conscious ability to think. If you look at any kids from zero to five, they really struggle to critically think. You can basically tell them anything. And if you say it with enough conviction and belief, they will believe you until they're presented with the facts otherwise. So you can basically- And then they still might not believe uh, you. Yeah, 100%, 100%. <laughs> so that's the thing. For, so for me, uh, zero to seven, you don't, and again, zero to seven, it's again flexible depending on developmental age. So the conscious mind is the gatekeeper to the subconscious. And you need to understand the subconscious is like a fertile soil. And the subconscious mind can only accept ideas. A subconscious cannot reject ideas. So between the ages of zero and seven, you have no conscious ability to think. Therefore, you do not have a gatekeeper to your subconscious. So between the age of zero and seven, you're very easily programmed. So if you have parents that tell you that you are not good enough, you are not smart enough, you are never going to be successful, you are da 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 etc., 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 that is where that's programmed. So literally this stuff is like an innate programming within them. So when they're trying to do something and if all their life have been told you're never going to amount to anything, that was my belief. That was something that I got told, not from my parents, but from a teacher. So that's also, once you get told something with enough emotion behind it, that goes straight to the subconscious again. <clears throat> so again, I think you just saw it before in year 11, my teacher stood in front of the whole class. Uh, the girl I fancied, I think I said this on my podcast review, the girl I fancied the most in the schools in front of me, she said, you're never going to amount to anything in your life. And that emotion and embarrassment made that statement just basically go straight into my subconscious and I remembered it. So again, any time in my life, if you look at my, 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 my life story, up until I became aware of this, I self-sabotaged. Whenever I got success, that's when I got the imposter syndrome, subconsciously. This is not me. I'm someone that doesn't get success. I'm successful. Let me ruin this in some way, shape or form. So it's also understanding that a lot of these times when we get this imposter syndrome, it can also be on a subconscious level as well. So, so you're there and the, the reason why you, you can't do this or you don't believe you can do this is because you've been programmed to believe that you can't do it. So it might not even necessarily be this voice that you can hear, but just on a subconscious level, like that's what you've been conditioned to do. On a subconscious, you, you, your subconscious mind is there telling you, you can't do this. Does that make sense? Even if it's not that voice you can hear in your head, it, that's everything you believe because it's what you've been told and that's all that you know. So again, it's the same sort of thing. You've got to become aware of these patterns that you've got because then once you've got the awareness, you can then do something about it because your subconscious, as I said before, is responsible for the 96 to 98% of the results you get in your life. So if you are struggling with imposter syndrome, if you are struggling with not feeling good enough, that's where it comes to. That self-doubt, it all comes down to that. It all comes down to those thinking patterns. And most of the time it's from a subconscious thing. And do you think there are things that can fuel those feelings of self-doubt? So I'm thinking things like, I don't know, 
comparison. So -hmm. comparing yourself to other people in the same situation. If you're having those feelings of self-doubt, you see other people doing whatever you want to do. Do you think that fuels it? Do you think things like perfectionism and having unwanted you know unrealistic high expectations then when you don't achieve it fuel self-doubt what do you think makes self-doubt what it's a combination of all of them but to go on the comparison thing i think that's a, a massive thing and people there's old saying comparisons are thief of joy <clears throat> and i agree with that to a certain extent again it depends how you leverage and how you programmed because again you see a lot of high achievers that leverage comparison because they'll be comparing to themselves they'll be comparing themselves to someone that's better than them and they use it as leverage to get better. That's positive. Is that comparison or is that inspiration? Comparison. Because you're comparing yourself to them and you're like, hmm, they are there, I'm here. So you're comparing yourself and then it becomes inspiration. But you're comparing yourself first. Like I'm here, they are there. And this is what I do. I literally look at people that are far better off than me. I compare what they're doing. What am I doing? Are they aligned? No, I'm gonna change that. So I use the comparison to then bridge the gap to leverage and then become inspiration. Does that make sense? So that's using it positively. But again, if you're not aware of that, you then see this person so far ahead of you, and like, oh, I'm never gonna get there, this is impossible. Not realizing that they are just human beings and all they have done, if you look at any successful person, I'm not just talking about business here, if you look at any people that are in successful relationships, uh, better jobs than you, earning more money, etc., whatever it is that your thing is, anybody that's more successful, quote unquote, than you in that arena has just got different thinking patterns to you. They've got just got different habits of thoughts. Theirs will be more empowering than disempowering. That's all it comes down to because your thoughts control everything. If you change your thoughts, you change your reality. And that sounds really cheesy and corny, but it's true. And there's that old old saying as well, you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're always right. So if you see someone that's better off than you and you're comparing yourself and you believe you can never get that, guess what? You're right. And again, as you said, where do your beliefs come from? Thoughts. So whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're always right. Essentially, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're always right. It all It's the same thing, just a different way of saying it. So we say change your thoughts, change your life. Again, that is true because you change your thoughts, you change your subconscious programming. You change your subconscious programming, you change the action you take. You change the action you take, you change the results you take. So for me, it's looking at this comparison syndrome. It's like, okay, first of all, noticing again, awareness. Are you scrolling on social media? And every time you see on social media, let's say for me, let's use me as an example. I love seeing people do what I'm doing because it inspires me, motivates me. There's people on my page, their mindset, high performance coaches. Cool. When I look at their page, I look at them like, oh, what are they doing? That's interesting. I get curious about it. Mm. Let's leverage it when I was in the fitness industry and I'd come up being a model and my page was just full of guys with six pack shredded. That would cripple me and fill me with self-doubt that I wasn't good enough, that my body didn't look good enough, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It made me feel absolutely rubbish. So it's becoming aware of where you're at right now. But just because just right now you may be struggling to compare yourself and looking at stuff, that doesn't mean later on that you can't then use that leverage, use that as leverage, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then when it comes to, what was the other thing, the examples you used? You said um, comparison syndrome, like social media, what was the other one you said? Um, like yeah, so again, same thing, you're kind of almost setting yourself up for failure. Mm. So there's no such thing as perfection. Yeah. Perfection does not exist. It's impossible to be perfect. Nothing is perfect. It's not meant to be perfect. Because again, what's perfection? It's subjective. Yeah. So you might look at that glass of orange juice, and might go, it's the perfect level. Well, it's not to me. Or you might look at this table, or office, this office is perfectly set up. No, things rubbish. Do you know I mean whatever it is, or that perfect that person got the perfect body? Don't like it. The perfect whatever it is, it's all subjective. So straight away, if you're aiming for perfection, like nothing is ever ever perfect. So straight away, you're setting yourself up for failure. So again, where's that come from? On a subconscious level, why are you setting yourself up for failure? Why subconsciously does everything have to be perfect? Why does everything have to be so unattainably perfect? 
because you're setting yourself up for failure. It does not exist. Then nothing's ever going to be good enough for you. So then you're never going to be happy. So then you're subconsciously programmed to not be happy. Whereas if you can understand that what you're doing is you're trying to do the best with what you've got, and it's not going to be 100% perfect, but you're going to do the best with what you've got and your skills and your abilities, and you're going to constantly level up and skill up and surround yourself with people that can help you, you will get as close to perfection as you possibly can. That's why in the American Constitution, it's the pursuit of happiness. Pursuit. Because you're never going to be truly happy. You're not meant to be truly happy. With perfection, it's, it's the pursuit of perfection. You're never going to be perfect. That's not the point. The point is the, the constant pursuit of, can I get better? Can I improve my skills? Can I improve my habits? Can I improve my mindset? To actually get as close to perfection as I can. That, for me, should be the aim, rather than having these unrealistic expectations and never having them met. Because that's what cripples most people. They've got their expectations are so high versus the reality of the situation is so low. So in relationships, if your expectation of having this perfect relationship is so high, no one can ever be perfect all the time. And your unrealistic expectation of this perfect relationship has come from social media. That's not reality. So where has this unrealistic expectation come from? You've created it from either social media, your thinking patterns, whatever it is. And then the reality of that situation, no man or woman or partner is ever going to be good enough for you. So then you're going to be miserable forever. See how it becomes a self-fulfilling perpetual cycle. So again, it all comes down to with this, is just becoming aware of yourself. So I did a social media post um, yesterday about self-awareness or self-mastery is the ultimate freedom. Becoming aware of yourself, your habits, your routines, your thought patterns, your self-image, your programmings, becoming aware of your programmings, becoming aware of your subconscious programming, that is ultimate freedom. Because without that, you're always going to be a prisoner. You're going to be a prisoner of your own thoughts. And I think for me, it's that combination. So if you have those feelings of self-doubt, so I'm not saying imposter syndrome, but those feelings in whatever area of your life it may be, you're then comparing yourself to other people. You've then got these unattainably high standards. And let's throw in some, I don't know, like fear of failure in there mm -hmm. as well. You then have a concoction that just fuels your- Misery. Your misery. Yeah, it fuels your self-doubt and it makes you miserable. Yep. And I, and I see this time and time again in so many areas of people's life. So let's take like, I don't know, let's take like parenting, for example. So you're a first time parent, you have not done it before. At the end of the day, if you've just had a child and you haven't been a parent before, no one really knows what they're doing. You, mm -hmm. Like you can read books, you can get advice, but generally speaking, you're winging it on a mm -hmm. daily and weekly basis. Spoiler alert for anyone mm -hmm. thinking of having children. And I think for me, it's something that I got trapped into is you kind of don't know what you're doing. You've not done it before. So you've got no evidence that you're going to be good at it. You're comparing yourself to all the other mums and stuff on social media that are absolutely bossing it. You want to be that perfect mum and do everything perfectly so you can give the best and have the best experience for your child. And you're absolutely bricking it that you're going to mess it all up. Mm -hmm. And it just, for me personally, absolutely sent me through the floor because I just couldn't regulate those thoughts when mm -hmm. I just had a child. So there we go. And, and this is what it comes down to. Yeah, you're doing it to yourself. Yeah, 100%. What most people don't like to hear this is they're doing it to themselves. They like to blame other people. Yeah. Oh, it's this person's fault. No, no, no. You are doing it to yourself because at the end of the day, your little person has got no idea. No. They're just as clueless they're as you as are. They're just as clueless as you are. <laughs> and again, your partner, if it's their first child, is also just as clueless. Now, again, if you're in a relationship with a partner it's their second or third child and they are put fuel on the fire that's a completely different conversation so we're going to assume here that you're both first-time parents again who are you comparing it to you are getting inside your own head those thought patterns which goes back to exactly what I said at the start is your own negative thought patterns which is then causing you to create beliefs that are not true and have no factual proof 
because as you said everyone is ringing it and again on social media you've got these these parents accounts yeah. and again the reason why those parents account most of them are there to actually help empower you mm. they're there to actually genuinely help parents that are struggling but if, again, if you've got this negative self-image of yourself, your self-worth, and you're playing the comparison game, you're not seeing that information for what it is. You're seeing that information as almost attacking and, oh, they're just showing off. They're doing this. Oh, my, no, no, no. They're actually genuinely trying to help. I'm not saying all of them. Just using this as an example. But if you can't see that and you're comparing yourself negatively rather than, wow, so what are they doing? How have they done this? And they're there literally telling you, this is how we did this. Our child wasn't, wasn't sleeping properly, blah, blah, blah. And if you're like, oh, but the, the child's sleeping positively now, blah, 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 and you're just focusing on that rather than the fact that they're telling you that this was actually the case, they struggled with exactly what you're struggling with and here's how they did it. Yeah. That's a completely different mindset. So again, it's making that mindset shift. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, I it's the perspective and the way that you look at it. So at that time, I ended up on a mass unfollow on Instagram of basically like every mum account going. So I was like, for exactly the reasons that you've mentioned, I thought this is adding no value to my life. At the time, I had no comprehension that actually it was me that was the issue. And funnily enough, I've gone back and re-followed those accounts it's the same people putting out the same content but in a completely different frame of mind it comes across completely differently yeah so again it's just remind me sometimes i picked this book it's called uh, the daily stoic by ryan holland if you haven't read this it's a fantastic book uh, especially 366 meditations basically each day you read a stoic quote so this one says from marcus aurelius i'm not going to go into detail about the quote uh, and then at the end of it uh, ryan holland ryan holiday and um stephen hanselman uh, basically kind of give a breakdown so the, it, the basic thing here is it talks about um stoic philosophy worth carrying around with you every day into every decision is control your perspe- perceptions control sorry control your perceptions direct your actions properly and willingly accept what's outside of your control so it's interesting they say about perception i change your perception that's one of the biggest things i like just understanding there's different perceptions and just change your perspective on these things like changing your perspective is so so powerful and again it's just actually just just just, just taking whatever the problem or issue is and just seeing it from another point of view. And I think to build on that, the other part that is massive when it comes to self-doubt is what what are you doing and what is outside of your control? Mm-hmm. And the outside of your control bit, because the self-doubt that you may have, if you can't control it, so what? Mm-hmm. If you can't, if it's nothing to do with the issue that you've got, then move on because mm-hmm. it's not going to serve you. And so it's the action, like what action can you take? So we spoke about before about self-confidence. So again, the opposite of self-confidence is self-doubt. Mm. And again, how do you gain self-confidence? By taking action. So if you're doubting your ability to do something, go and get better at it yeah. until you're undeniably good. Yeah. So, for, so for me, I was doubting. And again, that's this, this is again, you, you know this, after that mindset maintenance thing, I've gone on a massive mission to become even better at public speaking. So bear in mind, I've just come off the back of my best public speaking thing that I've done. The best audience, just the best feedback, picked up a client off the back of it, it's fantastic. I made the decision that with this self-doubt, I was going to become so undeniably good that I would destroy that self-doubt by taking action. So this is also the thing when you start to notice these things, what action can you take to get things back in your control? So again, just look at it. What, what, what's the self-doubt over? So when it comes to parenting, if you are doubting your ability to parent, go and read some books, look at stuff online, go and look at Instagram pages. But like, okay, I'm doubting my ability as a parent. How can I learn to get better? So then what you're doing is you're taking action to outwork your self-doubt. Rather than letting it cripple you, you take action. And what other tips do you think you can kind of give to people? So yes, take action, but in the moment. So in the moment that you are doubting yourself, what can you do to kind of drag you out yourself out of that? When in that moment, again, just question it. And for me, it's just take action. So if you are stuck in self-doubt, whatever it is, let's say it's me creating a, a workshop or it's me going to step on stage and you get that niggling voice of self-doubt, what if they don't like me? 
what, what from crap. That's, that's a regular thing that came up again before my maintenance. Uh, so again, literally before I stepped on stage, uh, one of the speakers there just had a very, very open honest conversation about his severe struggles with mental health. And I was almost holding back tears. So again, straight, that voice in my head, you're going to be nowhere near as good as him. You're not going to have the impact that he has because the audience are pretty much there all crying. Straight away, noticed it. Okay, is this serving? Is this thought serving me? No. So I was like, not, not right now, thank you. I'm going to smash this. So again, whatever it is you're doing and you're getting that self-doubt, just say, not right now, thank you. And just carry on doing what you're doing. Almost double down. Again, if you can leverage the negativity. So when that negativity pops up, if you can leverage that, it's almost like an annoyance. God, it's here again. It's annoying me. God, why are you popping up again? So again, that's energy. So right there, energy, energy is an emotion. Emotions. Emotions are energy in motion. So if you're emotionally getting charged when this thing pops up, emotion, energy in motion, use that energy. And rather than focusing that energy on beating yourself up and be like, oh, why am I thinking this again? Blah, blah, blah. Use that same energy and just channel it into something productive that you can control. Channel the energy, channel the emotions. Like rather than just getting beat up and fixated and wasting that same energy and that emotions, the emotions there, use it. Use it. Again, it's giving you a superpower. This negativity is actually giving you an opportunity and a superpower to use it and leverage it to move your life forward if you're aware enough to use it. So my advice, to summarize that, if you notice the negativity, leverage it, use it, and take some action moving forward. And do you think it helps to reframe the gap? So if, if you notice you have these, you know, thoughts that, you know, you need to become better in this area, so you want to take action. How do you think it helps you to reframe that weakness so what's originally weakness and self self-doubt how do you think that helps to reframe that into kind of like growth how do you go from oh, from weakness to growth yeah so, so, so it's an opportunity so the thing is with these gaps and this is the thing when you, especially if you're starting out the self-development journey I might do another whole podcast on this again is understanding that self-development self-improvement can be toxic it could be a toxic trap of not being good enough which again can lead to mm. imposter syndrome that then becomes a loop in exactly, itself yeah so once you start going down this rabbit hole of self-development self-improvement etc 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 understand and realize that you are going to find gaps you're going to find areas of quote-unquote weakness see them as opportunities for growth that's how you should see that and no matter how big that gap is amazing because that then means you're going to get even better so same with anything, like anything in life that you are good at, because everyone's good at something, whether it's cooking, whether it's reading, whether it's walking, whatever it is, at one point you were not that good at it and you got better. So see that gap, just bridge the gap. How do you bridge the gap? Take action, have a bit of a plan. So for me, it's like, I'm, I'm a public speaker here. I want to get over there. Okay, that's quite a big jump. Going from 300 people to, I don't know, tens of thousands of people I want to speak in front of. Okay, well, I'm not focused on the tens of thousands of people. I'm focused on what actions can I take to get me there. And you focus on the actions and the small steps that are going to get you there rather than getting fixated about how far away you are from that big final goal. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. So you spoke about that, the self-improvement toxicity piece. So the final question I will end on is what do you think the difference is in your thought process between that healthy self-reflection and self-improvement and the process you go through and doubting yourself? How do you just frame it? Can you repeat the question for me again? No, 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 still, still keep it in. I'm not going to edit it out. I just want to get clarity on what you said. No, so what, what is the difference yeah. in the thought processes when you're going through healthy self-reflection mm-hmm. and then self-doubt? Compa- uh, uh, compassion and self-love. So again, when you're going for the, 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 the thought, again, you mentioned that thought pattern. Mm-hmm. So when you're having a thought, thoughts are either positive or negative. And that might sound bizarre to people. You're like, oh, you know what? My, my thoughts are really negative. No, they're not. Your thoughts are neutral. Is the emotions that you attach behind it 
which again, what emotions, we just said energy. It's the energy that you put behind the thoughts that makes it either positive or negative. So for example, if you've got the most negative intrusive thought that pops up, if you choose to put positive funny energy behind it and just laugh at it, that's the same thought you've just had, but actually you've made it funny and you've just taken away its power. Whereas most of the time we don't stop to do that. We go straight to, this is a really big, scary image. I'm going to attach negative emotion behind it. I'm going to give it negative energy. And then before you know it, you're down a negative thought spiral. So when this thing, this, this, this thought pops up, remember that thought is neutral. It is a neutral thought. And again, this stuff I'm talking about here is quite advanced stuff, but it's, it's how it works. It's a neutral thought. It's neither positive nor negative. How are you going to respond to that? Are you going to make it an empowering thought that you actually leverage? Or are you going to let it cripple and consume you? Because that is then a choice. And if you can't and you struggle with that thought and it goes down that negative thought pattern, okay. Understand that at any moment in time, you can choose to think differently. So just because this thought's popped up and it's negative and you genuinely can't turn it positive in any way, shape or form, it goes down a negative spiral. Okay, you have a choice and you can choose to think differently. So replace that negative disempowering thought with a positive empowering thought, like we said from the start. So the difference is, again, your perception, how you, the energy you put behind that thought because a thought is just a thought. Thoughts come in and out of your head all day long. You're just not aware of most of them. And again, most of them are negative. Just look at the results in your life. If you're not aware of what you're thinking, how you're feeling will tell you. So if you're walking around in a constant state of feeling negative, anxious, nervous, reverse engineer it, you must be thinking of negative thoughts because it's impossible to be thinking of positive thoughts and feeling that way. So if negative, if, 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 if you're most of the time walking around in a negative state of mind, then subconsciously you know that's what's going on. The art is to become aware of it, so it's not subconscious. Subconscious means below conscious awareness. The art is to bring it from the subconscious into the conscious, so you can become aware of these thought patterns and then do something about it. So that's the difference between these thoughts, how you choose to respond to them. Because the thought is neutral, it's you and how you respond to it that makes it positive or negative. And again, that is a skill. It takes time. But just understand that all these things we spoke about, they're skills. It's not something you are innately born with. Some people are born with a prerequisite to think more positively. Again, maybe their upbringing was perfect. Most people, I believe, are prerequisites, pre predisposed, sorry, to have negative thought patterns. Because if you look at the disproportion of people that are quote-unquote successful versus whatever, not successful, it's disproportionate because we're not taught how to think. And if you're not taught how to think, there is so much negativity out there without social media, gossip, friends, family members, now social media, the news, there's so much negativity out there that if you are not aware of your thoughts, your default programming will be more than likely negative because there's so much negativity out there. So this is where actually you become aware of it. You can then choose to actually then think positively. And again, it's a skill set. You get better at it. Just like with anything, it's a skill. You're not born with this set f um, framework of, I've got to think positive or I've got to think negative. You can choose it. You've got to choose. You've got to choose to want to do it and develop that skill. Thank yeah. you. Any other questions? No. Awesome. Uh, don't forget if you've taken any value from today's episode, don't forget to like and share it with a friend. If you are on YouTube, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and the bell and give The Palmer Project a follow on Instagram at The Palmer Project. Until next time, take it easy. Bye.